You are listening to the Special Needs Children podcast with Chitra Iyer. Chitra Iyer is a parent of 25-year-old Shravan Iyer who has epilepsy, cerebral palsy and autism. She is the CEO of MFA and has been helping families with life-centered planning to reach their personal financial goals. She is also a trustee of a parent support group, the Forum for Autism, which was set up almost 2 decades ago. MFA is an 18-year-old organization in the personal finance space. They have set up a dedicated practice to help families with special needs children to plan their financial goals and invest for them. The thoughts shared here are a result of the discussion with parents, caregivers, siblings and professionals regarding the planning of a person with special needs. Hello everyone. A big warm welcome to you, Dr. Sudha Kaul, on the expert series of my podcast for special needs children. Thank you so much for taking your time and agreeing to do this interview with me. A pleasure for me, Chitra. Thank you. Especially Anna. because I've seen that you have uh, uh, got podcasts done by many of my dear friends. It's lovely. Yeah, waiting to hear your entire story too, ma'am. Uh, to introduce you formally to our listeners. Uh, in this episode, we have with us Padmasri Dr. Sudha Kaul. Uh, Dr. Sudha is a founder, trustee, and vice chairperson of the Indian Institute of Cerebral Palsy, that is IICP, Kolkata. In 1974, there were no schools for children with cerebral palsy and special needs in Eastern India. Dr. Sudha Kaul, along with a group of young pioneers, set up the first school, then known as the West Bengal Spastic Society. in kolkata in uh, as i said in 1974 she had the staunch support of her husband om since both had an intrinsic belief in all children's ability to learn including their own son arjun who was diagnosed as a child with cp with multiple disabilities in 2004 iicp as it was called won the national award from the ministry of social justice and empowerment government of india for the best disability ngo dr call has a phd in augmentative and alternative communication which we know all of us know as aac from manchester metropolitan university uk she has authored several books on aac and presented papers on it at several national and international conferences From Jan 2007 to December 2009 she was appointed president of the International Society for Augmentative and Alternative Communication ISAC an international society for persons with complex communication needs In 2010 Dr Call received the Padma Shri award from the president of India Dr Call retired as the executive director of IICP in April 2010 However, she continues to mentor the work of IICP and of Roshni, IICP's assistive technology unit. She has worked on various government committees and on 30th April 2010 was appointed chairperson by the Government of India Ministry of Social Justice and Empowerment to formulate a new disability rights bill based on the UNCRPD. The parliament passed it as a bill called the Rights of Persons with Disabilities Act 2016. Wow, this is really something, Dr. Call, and uh, thank you again for uh, giving out your 
valuable time to all of our listeners. I'm diving to the straight, first question straight away. Can you please share a bit about your journey? How you became involved in the field of cerebral palsy and multiple disabilities? Yeah, thank you for uh, inviting me, as I said to you earlier, Chitra. Uh, it's a pleasure to share with you uh, what you ca- are calling my journey, but actually is the journey of uh, people with disability and their families and uh, well-wishers, uh, particularly in Eastern India. Um, as you mentioned, my older boy, uh, Arjun, has uh, cerebral palsy. And uh, he was born 53 years ago. And at that time, uh, there was nothing really for children with disability. And in fact, um, at that time, we couldn't even get a proper diagnosis. And we had to, uh, we had to go to England, to this, what was then called the Spastic Society, to seek a diagnosis where we were referred to a wonderful couple who's well known in our field, Dr. and Mrs. Bobart. And that's where we actually came to know what was uh, wrong with Arjun. And then Dr. Uh, Bobath gave me some very sound advice, which has really, which really turned our life. He said, go back and do something in your country. So that was the beginning. And we came back and we attempted to do just that. I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like 53 years ago. And yeah. it must have been so difficult without absolutely no clue and trying to figure out everything on your own. So as a parent of a child, you know, with uh, cerebral palsy and multiple disabilities, can you share some of the personal experiences and challenges that you faced? Yeah, well, I, I'd like to just make a little clarification. Uh, there was nothing in Eastern India, but I did find out that, and it's such a small world, as we say, I did find out that a friend of mine who was senior to me in college in Miranda House, Mitu Alur, uh, Mitu Chib at that time, uh, had started uh, a center in Bombay. So yes. I, yes. And um, her um, her friend and my very dear friend, Juni Bose, was based in Calcutta. And Juni said to me that, you know, let's get together and do something about this. So I went off to Bombay. And I have been eternally grateful to me too for the time she spent uh, with me, tutoring me in a sense and giving guidance as to what we could do back in Calcutta. So we came back to Calcutta and we, um, uh, with friends and family, that's how IICPO, it was called West Bengal Spastic Society at that time. We said, we've got to do something. And uh, the Bobats had mentioned to me that there was a therapist, a Bobat therapist, uh, Mrs. Perinai Bara, based in Calcutta, and that I should go to her for Arjun's therapy. And I did. And there I met the most amazing young girl whose name was Madhuri Kapoor, whose parents, the Kapoors, were also going to uh, Mrs. Ibarra for treatment. And that's how the journey really began. So the founders of IICP were two. One was Arjun, who had severe intellectual disability along with cerebral palsy. And the other was Madhuri Kapoor, a really bright young girl. And Perinai Bara, we are eternally thankful to her. She said, let's do something about this. Let's get together. So with a group of friends, and to just name very few, Rina Sen, whose husband Ashish worked with my husband Om, Anju Mason, 
Subhadra Nehru, a few of us just sat down together and formed an association. Uh, we didn't have a clue. We were in our 20s and we didn't have a clue how to even register an association. And I remember very clearly going to the registrar's office and writing out a form and saying what the society would be all about. And he said to me in Bengali that you're opening a plastic society. So you can imagine that there was hardly any information about cerebral palsy to baat ki baat, but the word spastic was absolutely a known, an unknown word. So that was the beginning, and we didn't know what to do. So again, with help, we said, well, we knew that we needed a school for our two kids, and we hoped that there'd be many more who would come then. So the army came forward. They were wonderful. They gave us a place in what was then called the Baliganj military camp. They gave us two little rooms in the tin shed. And on day one, there was Juni, Rina, Arjun, Mitu, Mrs. Ibarra, of course, and our family who came through the opening. But very soon, because there was nothing, children started coming in. And that's how it all began. It's lovely. Um, and you, you trained yourself also in the Bobat? Well, uh, we realized that we had absolutely no knowledge uh, apart from the belief that all children can learn. Uh, so therefore, we looked around for people who could help us. And uh, the British Council was wonderful. And I'm truly grateful to Veena Lakhumalani, who was there at that time. Uh, we didn't have the money. We didn't have the money to to send anyone for training, ourselves for training. And um, uh, we now got people across from the from England to come and help us train. Um, we got Tessa Hamblin, who came as a VSO, as the first therapist. And gradually we had other people coming in. Kamla Prasad, who was a trained speech therapist, joined us. And they were all wonderful people because they got a monthly salary of 200 rupees. But they came because they were interested. We then had Sujata Parikh, who was a trained social worker. So gradually we got a trained speech therapist, a physiotherapist, and a special and a, a social worker. And then we realized that this was not enough and we just needed to train ourselves if we wanted to give the best that we could. So over the years, Rina and I, we uh, got our PhDs. I think I was the oldest PhD student in Manchester Metropolitan University. And we started building our links. And oh. then I came across um, the fact that there were children who couldn't speak. And Kamla Aswichi said there was something called AAC, which um, would help us. And then we got in touch with um, uh, someone called Anne Warwick, who is my guru and mentor, who uh, actually had started uh, an extensive AAC program in Toronto. And Anne on her own came to India. And that was the beginning of AC in India. Uh, and gave us the confidence and the knowledge to move forward in this uh, very specialized field. As the Tessa in doing very specialized physiotherapy that was important for children with multiple disability like cerebral palsy. So gradually over the years, ISCP built its network. And then came a day when we were told that, you know, the army needs its premises and that we needed to move out. By that time, we had people who had heard about the school and they were coming from 
different parts of eastern india so we had uh, 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 my husband's in the tea industry and it was through his tea links that we build up relationships with other people in the tea in the eastern india and we had brinda krishna who was in guwahati who said she would like to start something and she set up a school in guwahati and gradually as i mentioned earlier we had people who said look let's start something or you come and help us do it and in the next couple of years after we had begun we had 14 affiliates in india each of the eastern states had a school wow. but i always believed from the beginning that it's a team that builds up an organization it's not an individual so mm-hmm. our philosophy has always been that we would be there to give information knowledge and share with them our mistakes as well as our successes so that they could start off their own organization most of the ones in eastern india were parent organization but not all some were done by people who were interested a few by professionals so once we were told that we had to move out we started looking for premises and we were very very grateful to the west bengal government they were they came forward and um, in particular at that time uh, jyoti babu was the chief minister and he said he would help us look for uh, land and to cut a very long story short we got premises in what's now taratala road where we are based now and we moved there and since we had now started services in eastern india we changed our name from west bengal spastic society to spastic society of eastern india okay and you know we really have developed chitra with i think the need of the situation the need of the hour and mm-hmm. people came to us as we developed our contact both with the professional and the uh community we realized that we needed to start some training programs and we had the confidence to do that once we were trained ourselves and therefore we became a training institute and that's why we are called indian institute of cerebral palsy now awesome ma'am what what going forward what are your you know what's happening in terms of future goals i mean the objectives uh, are the same but yeah what's yeah, the I future plan changed uh the basics have remained the same but with uh, changes in our own country and the environment more knowledge and more um, information it's very very clear that um there are still pockets in the country rarely and truly that are looking at people with cerebral palsy and i uh i think i am very naive about thinking that disability is all disabilities are respected and i use that word with great uh, consciousness uh, are respect duly respected across the country by people who work in the field but when i had the opportunity of actually chairing the committee to uh to formulate the disability act it came home to me very clearly that people were in different disability sectors were really looking at their own sector and not cross disability and i think things have changed slightly but this is something that we all of all of us who work in this field need to keep in mind because we are here to work with 
cross disability sections. I know that we specialize, for lack of another word, in the particular disability we deal with, but we must join and work together. And therefore, one of the aims of IICP really is now to look at cross disability issues and inclusion, not just for people and children and adults with cerebral palsy, but cross disability, and join with others to actually make this a reality. The other learning has been that it's time now for people with disability themselves to take this forward. And therefore, in IICP, we have a very active group called ANKUR, which is the disability activist group, the advocacy group, who now are the spokespeople for uh, people with disability. But there again, I think we all need to work together, the disabled and non-disabled together, to make sure that the word inclusion is just not letters, but becomes a reality. And then we need to go outside our little sectors and go into the, to start with school, go into the mainstream schools, teach people. And right from the beginning, to just diverse a bit, we started working with uh, the communities, outreach communities. And I'm very proud to say that right from the start, I should have mentioned this, we had a CBR, a community-based program, and we had some wonderful people helping us in this who had nothing to, like Gautam Chaudhary, who had nothing really to do with disability, but were doing other work with women and children. And when we realized that when we went out into outreach villages, it was nothing. And it was it was uh, a lesson we learned that it's all very well to sit in the in the city and say, this is available, do this, do that. You don't even have a doctor in the village to come and tell you what's wrong with your child. And I certainly learned a lesson. I, I thought being a parent, I was sensitive to all parental needs and I understood better. But I realized I was wrong because in one of our visits to a place called Shanti Niketan, Sri Niketan was the place really, uh, I, we went to, uh, we were told there were certain children with disability in a particular village, and we went there. And I saw this young girl who must have been in her teens. Uh, she obviously had intellectual disability, and she was tied to a pillar in the hut. And I thought to myself, how can a, how can a parent do this? You know, it's, it's absolutely wrong. I didn't say anything, but I thought about it. And then we sat down to chat with the mother. And do you know what she said? She said, I have no help. My husband and I have to go to another place to earn money to work in somebody else's farm field. There's no one to look after my daughter. She can be raped. So the only way to keep her safe is to tie her to that pole. And it was a lesson I learned that it's so important for none of us to be judgmental. We really have to understand a family situation. And any kind of program that we write up or do must be meaningful to the family. So one has really learned so much. I'm really lucky to have learned so much from the people I've worked with over these last 50 years. It's going to be our golden year in IICP next year. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing about that incident also. I'm sure, uh, I mean... People, some people in in our field have witnessed this, and it always stays 
very very clear in our memory and uh, as you rightly said it jolts us and brings us to reality about what what's available and why a parent must be doing something yeah. so um you know what advice would you give to parents who may be navigating similar journeys um i love acronyms uh, well this is not an acronym i love letters so um i always use the word letters abc <laughs> because i think the most important word a means acceptance you know we as parents sometimes find it very very difficult to accept the fact that we have a child uh, who has a disability uh and i think it's very important for us to remember as parents that we should be looking at the ability of our child and i'd mentioned this in the beginning it was arjun and meetu who taught us this really and truly and as the day goes by i mean meetu very sadly passed away a few years ago and she was a wonderful wonderful teacher uh, she was a computer trainer and she couldn't speak at all she was confined to a wheelchair she used ac and um, she was absolutely amazing Arjun is a very happy go lucky uh, as a young man he's middle aged man he cannot speak has severe multiple dis- uh, difficulties but can communicate what he wants and uh, shares his happiness with all of us and i think that's important for us to realize it's not easy it's not easy to accept but it's something that we must do and not just not parents professionals as well uh very often professionals particularly uh, when they're looking at children with multiple disability and cerebral palsy and intellectual disability kids with autism they always feel that you have to have a certain level of understanding before you can move forward and this takes me back to early years when i went to somebody very very well known a doctor in bombay after we came back from england and they wanted to test arjun's iq and of course he was then Three years old, uh, they couldn't. So I got a certificate saying, "IQ not available, cannot do much." So with that certificate, which was a challenge actually, which got me started off as well, we came back to Calcutta. I'm digressing a bit, but I think parents need to hear this part of my story. Uh, we went to again a very Arjun started having convulsions. Only went to a very well-known doctor. a neurologist who said well your certificate says can't do much so i don't think you can do very much just give him medication keep him at home keep him comfortable have another baby well i did have another baby through but i didn't quite accept what the neurologist said so we went to another a neurologist who was absolutely wonderful um i will mention his name because i respect him greatly dr anupam das gupta who looked at the report and looked at arjun and said well let's see what we can do about him i would like to recommend medication where he's quite awake in the morning during the day so he can learn so i'm writing this down and i think that's important so when i talk about acceptance it's acceptance not just for parents but acceptance from professionals as well whose responsibility it is to ensure that any kind of training program or a um uh, advice professional advice they're giving their the clients who come to them must keep in mind that their client has the ability to learn and do the second letter that comes to my mind is again belief 
um, believe that yes, any kind of intervention will help if you believe that this your client can learn. The belief that this client or child who's come to your clinic or school or wherever has the capacity to to learn and can move forward. I don't mean that you need to be unrealistic. You need to be realistic about what you're doing, but you can move forward. And that takes me to the last letter in my dictionary, which is C, which is commitment. You know, I think not just families, but even professionals need to have the confidence to take this forward. They need to have the confidence and experienced professionals uh, in the medical profession that's where they come and they do have the confidence to say, right, this is what your child can do. Let's start with this. Let's move forward step by step. We will have challenges, but let's address them. We need to be realistic, but we can celebrate. We can celebrate whatever your child is doing and can improve. And I think this is a message which we need to take across for inclusion as well. We need to be realistic, realizing that, yes, um, especially if you're talking about inclusion in schools, there's no point in having a child with severe intellectual disability sitting in a class of 50 kids, just sitting and doing nothing. You need to have the support system of special classes available. And for some children, they would benefit by having a special section or a special school where they get individual attention. At the same time, I think it's important for mainstream school teachers and children to have the um, uh, the access or, or the, the the access to to meeting children who are different. Children, you know, are much more acceptable than adults, and children can be great motivators. And that's what we've seen in all the inclusion programs that we've been doing. So basically, it's really the ABCs of uh, inclusion and the ABCs of disability that you need to keep in mind. And to find out that there are positive things that even the most severe, severe uh, child or an adult uh, is capable of learning. And the other thing one has realized over the journey is that now that we've reached the stage of adulthood, all of us who are in this field are beginning to realize how important it is to now look at the next step which is centers for uh, uh, the adults or the elderly. I mean, it's a reality, but elder care is something which is accepted by all and understood by all. And I think with the changes in our society now, we need to be seriously looking at elder care for our adults with disability as well. That was really wonderful. Your ABC, you know, goes straight to the heart. It was really fabulous. Uh, Ma'am, what message or advice would you like to convey to our listeners regarding cerebral palsy, multiple disabilities, and the importance of inclusion and support? Well, as I said earlier, really, that um, I think all children need to be included, but the word inclusion should be very broad. It can't just be inclusion in in terms of, as I said earlier, just being included in a classroom because you have a disability. You have to have, I'm repeating myself, but you must have support systems available. But inclusion in um, 
in the community festival. I mean, I've seen this happening in Calcutta where we celebrate pujas, the Durga pujas with great, uh, with great joy. And our students join these uh, festival festivities. And it's so nice to see them being part of, uh, uh, you know, the festival, festival programs that happen. It's, you know, you need to be <clears throat> very careful about, as I said earlier, I'm repeating, about the term inclusion, because it can be misused. And I think, as again, I'm repeating myself, it's so very important that the spokesperson for people with disability must and should be people with disability themselves, because the impact they make, it's their life story, um, is what can bring about the changes. And I think this is one, this is the way forward, really, working together but having a voice, and the voice being that of people with disability, that is very, very important. And though we have a disability law, implementing that law is a challenge. And I think laws are made so that people in the sector should really move forward in ensuring the advocates must ensure that these laws are implemented. And it can only be done by people who are uh, in the field. And it can only be done if you take a cross-disability view, not just cerebral palsy, multiple disability, or the blind, or the hearing impaired, or people with autism. It has to cut across. So we must work together. If we work together, we can make a change. I'm absolutely confident about that. Lovely. Um, coming to the last question, based on all your learnings and observations, what are the three crucial changes that you wish to see for children with disability in India in the light of all the evolving services? Well, I think I've covered some of this already, uh, but um, uh, I, I think that, again, repetition, Looking at cross-disability work, working together. I know that each one of us who work in our different fields, we need to, um, uh, we, we do need a certain amount of specialization. Uh, for example, with cerebral palsy, early intervention, or with all disabilities, is absolutely critical and crucial. So I think some of the training programs that we are doing, uh, which is what we are doing at IICP, should focus on just not on teachers, but should focus on also building up skills with the medical professional, starting more early intervention centers across disability, working with community doctors across disability, identifying children who have special needs. And who can do that? It's a local doctor in the village. It's not somebody sitting in Ames or in Calcutta. So training is vital. Training is vital for people cross-disability in the field and who are the professionals who are involved with our disability? The medical professionals, the therapists, uh, the technicians, and now that coming particularly to the field that I'm very passionate about, AAC, the technology sector coming in, and they have, they have in many, many areas, but working together, having more training programs, uh, having more a more online training program. Not everybody can actually come to a training program. And I think the, the uh, 
during COVID, we realized how successful, in a sense, online training can be. It has its shortfalls, of course. But I think it's something that we should really start looking at. Uh, building up community workers, building up community workers' skills in various areas of disability. So that is that I think really um, is the way forward, having more and more families coming in. Uh, also, at the same time, recognizing the fact that not all families and all parents have the, um, I won't say the motivation, every family has a motivation, but has the inclination. They're respecting that, respecting families for what they can do and cannot do, accepting that from the professional field. Uh, that's very important and not being dogmatic about what we do. So we need to meet these challenges. And I know I'm repeating myself, but we really, really can do that uh, if we work together. And you know what's important is in my field of work over, field, over these 50 years, there's a sense of feel-good factor. And that really comes when you go out and reach out to people who have nothing to do with disability. And just to give you a very short example, in IICP, because fundraising is a huge problem, we've gone out and have all kinds of fundraising programs. And we realize that people who give the funds on a regular basis, we have a golf competition called the Hope Cup. They do it now. We've been doing it for 15, nearly 13 years. They do it and they have a sense of belonging to an organization that they're funding. And I think the sense of belonging can really, really help us move forward. Because for anything that we need to do in the sector, especially in the NGO sector, you need money. And if you build up this family of do-gooders and people who feel about what they're doing and create more awareness, we can move forward working together. Thank you so much. Uh you know, ma'am, for sharing your journey. Have you shared so many names over the years across continents who helped you work as a team? Truly stands out for me. Your emphasis about understanding the ground reality, not being judgmental about parents, especially with your example about the child being tied up will remain in memory. Have yeah. you spoke about acceptance, be it parents or professionals, you know, belief in intervention, and commitment recounting about Arjun's challenges and your experience was really, really wonderful. What you spoke about inclusion will surely help our listeners on how to approach this by working together with the community-based approach across disabilities with a lot of training programs is my final takeaway. You know, thank you so much. Uh, this interview will be heard by many. And I think you were absolutely bang on, so articulate and so precise. Uh, your entire journey, 50 years IICP is it's been it's huge, but you crunched it in beautifully in this half an hour, 40 minutes. And I'm sure it will encourage uh, and, you know, guide many families and professionals to work towards a better world for our children and adults. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chitra. Thank you very much. 
You were listening to the Special Needs Children podcast with Chitra Iyer, the CEO of MFA and a trustee with the Forum for Autism. If you find this podcast relevant and interesting, it will be great if you leave a review, share, like and subscribe. You can also let us know if there is any specific topic that you would like us to cover. Feel free to email her on chitra.ir at myfinad.com or you can call her on 9833-785-892. That is 9833-785-892.